We are the biggest subsidizer of the federal system. Even with this deduction. N- with the deduction, New York every year sends $48 billion, with a B, $48 billion to the federal government and the other states. So there are only 13 states that have a negative balance of payments with Washington. So we and another 12 subsidize the entire federal government and all these other states. Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Carol Kellerman from Citizens Budget Commission. Thanks for joining us here today. We are ready to dig into another public policy issue, and especially one that's really in the news these days as we watch things coming out of Washington, D.C. that have a lot of effect on New York State and New York City. Before we get into today's episode, make sure that if you've missed any of our prior episodes with lots of city officials, MTA executives, city council members, and our very sharp citizens budget commission analysts uh, that you find those. And you can find them all over your podcast platforms, as well as at the Gotham Gazette and Citizens Budget Commission websites. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your relatives, and so on. So today we are joined by Jay Kriegel, who Carol will introduce along with our data point. Our data point today is $67 billion. That's the amount of state and local income, property, and sales taxes that New York State residents deduct from their federal tax returns each year. This federal tax deduction, SALT for short, is the topic of intense debate in Washington right now as the House and Senate shape tax reform legislation, and they're trying to get it done by the end of the year. Republican congressional leadership proposes to eliminate or cap the SALT deduction in order to offset some of the cost of corporate and other tax cuts that they want to enact. They argue that by allowing this deduction, the federal government and lower tax states are in effect subsidizing states and localities that impose unduly high taxes. But New York elected and civic leaders are vehemently opposed on the grounds that it would hurt tens of thousands of middle-class families who depend on this deduction to offset some of their property and income taxes. In fact, New York and other higher tax states pay far more to the federal government in taxes than is returned in federal spending. What will be the outcome of this debate? Here to break down the issues and discuss the possible end games is Jay Kriegel, Senior Advisor at Related Realty. Jay is a New York communications and strategic advisor extraordinaire who has been involved in a number of major New York political and policy initiatives, including chairing the city's bid to host the Olympics in 2012. He started his career as a young chief of staff to Mayor John Lindsay from 1966 to 1973. In 1986, Jay led a national coalition which successfully opposed an attempt to eliminate SALT as part of the Reagan tax cuts, and he's back in action on this issue now. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Carol and Ben. Happy to be here. So, Jay, um, before we get into a bunch of the details about why this is a problem, can you explain a little bit more what the rationale seems to be in favor of eliminating these deductions? What do you see coming from when you saw it in the 80s from uh, in the Reagan era and now today? What is the argument that you see being put forward by the other side? Well, there are three rationales really for this. Number one is uh, 
the fact that, that this is being sold to the Congress by a Republican administration leadership as an equity issue that the so-called low-tax states are subsidizing New York and the other high-tax states because we have higher taxes, and therefore they're subsidizing us, and so it's, it's unfair to them to be disadvantaged. Mnuchin has been a particular advocate of this point of view. The, the second argument is uh, a long-held conservative dream of really drying up revenue for, for government to force reduction of revenue, cut back in services. So if they make it, basically if you eliminate the deduction, you're making it more expensive to impose real estate or sales or income taxes for any government, city, county, uh, state. So their goal would be, as what was done in Proposition 13 many, many years ago in California, to make it more difficult for government to have revenue, therefore cut back uh, <clears throat> services, therefore shrink government budgets at all levels. And third, it's really a blatantly political maneuver since the states that are most affected <clears throat> are the blue states, so-called blue states, New York, California, New Jersey, etc. And so they're this is easy for a Republican Congress to do. They have not that many members from blue states, and they're desperately going after this money to feed, as Carol said, to feed their, their desire of reducing corporate rates. So uh, we want to definitely jump right into the arguments against this, um, but we should <clears throat> say that while we're talking, there's been a House plan that's been put forward, and that's what everybody is reacting to, right? And the Senate plan is due out. Today. Imminently, Moment, yes, as we, as we speak, although folks might be listening to this a little later. Um, so we're interested to see that. President Trump, I believe, said something like people who are opposing this House plan are going to like the Senate plan better. So we'll see, we'll see what that looks like. But basically, this is a very live wire right now in the discourse. And we're seeing in New York, Governor Cuomo, Senator Schumer, Mayor de Blasio all really jumping into action to try to oppose this and try to influence others um, in government and around government to, to act. Um, to zoom out quickly, what we're talking about here really is when folks are filing their federal taxes, whether they get to deduct what they've already paid in state and local taxes, right? Just to put it very simply, uh, so that when you're in a higher tax area like New York, you've already paid quite a bit of local state taxes, you don't then pay higher taxes to the federal government. And I think we should put this in historic perspective, which is a very important issue. Uh, in 18, the first federal income tax was an emergency tax enacted in 1862 to help pay for the Civil War, an income tax. That one-page tax has right on it the fact that people would deduct the taxes they'd already paid to their states. Now, this is a different era of federalism. Don't forget that's the war between the states. The states were supreme. The federal government had really not emerged the way it was. So it was a very different view of federalism about states' power. And it was very clear that the federal government had to be careful not to intrude on the tax base and the fiscal integrity of the states. So it was very obvious that the feds would, would, would not be taxing money that the states had already taxed. Then again, when the income tax was adopted in 1913 by Constitutional Amendment, the first tax bill in 1913 had right on the cover, deduct your taxes paid to your state and local government. 
there was no no question about it that the federal government would not be taxing money already paid to states. That we call that fiscal federalism, and it was a principle of double taxation that you wouldn't tax, as Carol said, you wouldn't be taxing money that I had already paid out, didn't have in my pocket anymore, paid out to a state or locality. Don't forget, there's a lot of talk about loopholes and special interests. This is not a loophole. It's not a special interest. It is not a discretionary expenditure, which virtually every other deduction, a mortgage, is something that I have the ability, I make a decision, I want to buy a house, I take a mortgage out. This is mandatory payment to government that I'm compelled, we're all compelled to do. So it's neither a loophole nor, nor, a, uh, nor a special interest, calling government special interest wrong. So it's a very, very different kind of deduction, and uh, one would have hoped that the, particularly the Republican members, even the more conservative Republican members, who, number one, advocate state rights, uh, would have been sensitive. We're in the odd position where liberal Democrats are becoming great champions of state rights on this particular issue. <laughs> and others, yeah. We've seen, we've seen a bit of an uptick in that since uh, this regime took over in Washington. And then we would have thought that, that the, the, the principle of federalism... Uh, of the balance of powers between the two would have been something they would have been more respective since, after all, we have an administration that keeps talking about and a group of people pushing more responsibility down to the state level. So we're simultaneously saying the states have to do more with infrastructure, other responsibility, but we're going to take away their revenue sources and make it harder for them to do. So what are what does the effort look like? <clears throat> You're involved in a in an actual effort to defeat this, you're you're working regularly to influence the outcome here. What are you What are you doing? What's happening? Well, we have to remember that the tax bill is being done. Let's say the two things that make it somewhat unique. Number one, it's being done on a one-party basis, uh, which is always interesting because we've now spent eight years with Republicans complaining about the fact how, under Obama, they rammed through Obamacare and other programs on a one-party basis, and that was. Nothing that serious should be done on a, on a one-party basis. For all great piece of legislation, there was a consensus and bipartisanship. So we've, we've thrown that to the wind now in a desperate move just to do this with Republican votes. Republican votes don't tend to be congregating in blue states. And secondly, it's being done at an ungodly pace. Uh, when in 85, 86, the great Reagan tax reform bill, which the president and everybody else holds up and emulates, say this is the example of what we want to do. It took Reagan and Jim Baker worked on that for 15 months before it went through both houses. They're trying to do this basically in a month, get this through, introduce a bill, ram it through the committee, ram it through the House with party discipline. To do that with a restructuring of the federal tax system, it, it's not only unprecedented, it's pretty unseemly. No one will, people are going to wake up when this bill is passed and say, gee, I didn't realize that was in there. I didn't know it had this impact. And it's, it's going to be a fundamental restructuring of the economy with 70% of the benefits going to the, to the corporate world. So uh, there's very little time. Our job is to find 23 votes to block this provision and to force them to change it in the House. We certainly can't do it in the Ways and Means Committee. They've got that controlled by the leadership. So we are focusing on the vote on the floor of the House either next week or the week after, and we've got to get 23 votes. So Jay is working very hard as part of something called Americans Against Double Taxation. It has a website, americansagainstdoubletaxation.org. It is a coalition of state and local government organizations, this Conference of Mayors, the Association of Counties, um, as well as other stakeholders who are concerned about protecting SALT. 
and um, lobbying furiously, trying to get the facts out in particular to places where Republican Congress people are either equivocating or saying that they will support this because it doesn't really hurt their constituents or because they think that the overall goal of corporate tax relief and simplification, as they call it, is more important. And the coalition is trying to target members and make the case to them that they are underestimating the negative impact this is going to have in their states. And this is not totally different, including the process aspect that Jay just highlighted and what you just said, Carol, uh, about targeting certain members in a coalition. This is not that different than what we just saw play out on health care, right? They well, were- it is different because health care, the key to what happened in, in the ACA was that it went for months and it simmered during the summer and there was enough time to, to organize a grassroots explosion in the country. So these Republican members could not hold a town meeting, could not sit in their offices because there were so many people, Democrats and Republicans, who were scared uh, and then angry that they were going to lose. You know, if you've got a kid who, 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 a sick kid, or you got a sick parent, or you've got an illness, your, your spouse, people were worried about losing their health care, as they should have been. So it was that uproar that is what happened there. I think if we had a comparable period, you'd find that uproar here. The problem is we have... We didn't expect it was going to move this fast. To their credit, politically, they are ramming this through so quickly to avoid that kind of public uprising. But I would say as an exercise in government, we will look back at this as shameful, and the people who do it uh, will have very little standing to talk about governmental processes, orderly government processes, which Sean McCain is the one who's talked the most about that and has been good about it. We, we are blessed here in New York that there are nine Republican members of the House, and three of them from the southern part of the state have been absolute stalwarts and strong. So Dan Donovan from Staten Island and Brooklyn, Peter King and Lee Zeldin from Long Island have basically said, we're voting against the whole bill, which is hard to do because it has a lot of other benefits, particularly for the, the corporate friends and, and, and constituents, but saying we're voting against the bill unless SALT is protected. So our focus has been we salute them, uh, we appreciate that, and our, our focus has been primarily on the six upstate Republicans, two of whom are lost, not to belabor it, so we're focused primarily on four other members from upstate to try to get them to stand with us. There are five members in, in New Jersey, two of them are firmly um, are firmly uh, supporting SALT. One has caved, so there are two in play. Uh, there are seven in uh, California, is 14. There are seven that are particularly vulnerable in play. One has come out so far. So that's really what's going on around the country. Jay, um, as I mentioned in your introduction, you were involved in a fight to stop the elimination of SALT in 1986, a successful effort. How is this <clears throat> different? What's, what's different about the situation now? Can you just do the same things you did that time, or is the strategy different? Well, there are great similarities. With the same coalition led by the National Association of Counties, as well as the other government organizations, the mayors, etc. But number one, that was a Democratic Congress that was trying to do it, led by Bill Bradley and Dick Gephardt, were advocating a this kind of tax reform and an abandonment of the state and local deduction, which we were enraged at them and, and have barely forgiven them today for being hostile to New York. Um, I've made my peace with Bill Bradley, but it's still it's still a sore point between us. 
But but when you deal with Democratic members of what, the Ways and Means Committee in the House, the role of unions, of public service unions, of teachers becomes very valuable. It doesn't mean very much to to the Republican members. In the in '85, we chose as our battleground in the House to the Ways and Means Committee itself, and we beat this back within the committee. We had a big team of lobbyists, and we focused on three members, and we had three key members who are not from high-tax states go to the chairman, Danny Rostenkowski, and say, we're supporting the deduction. That's when we won. Here, there's no chance of winning in Ways and Means. We have one New Yorker in the committee for the Republican, Tom Reed from upstate, and he's already caved. So, How, do you, so how have, did you get then, how did you get folks from the lower-tax states to support well, one interesting one interesting argument. We issued a report in middle of or early 1985, done by a young Southern governor whose name was William Jefferson Clinton, which said that you all think this is about high tax states like New York and California. It's actually going to be more damaging to the Southern states, and the reason is that we have a lot more difficulty passing taxes, and that our school boards have a higher percentage of budgets rejected by the populace repeatedly because they don't like taxes here. And then then we have a poor population, more resistant. When you take away the deduction, you raise the cost of local taxes. And so someone now looks at it and says, my God, that's going to cost me one-third more. And he said, it's going to be devastating for the revenues of southern states, whether, whether it's for Medicaid or for road building and hospitals, but particularly for education. And I think there was, so there was an appeal to everybody on that. I think this federalism appeal to people made sense. The fact that we were all in this together. You know, Mnuchin has been uh, particularly, I don't want to say it's evil, but embarrassing to have some people from New York, Gary Cohn and Steve Mnuchin, going around making the argument that this is a subsidy of low-tax states, of high, by low-tax states of high-tax states. Well, you'd say, wow. If, in fact, Alabama and Kansas and Montana are really subsidizing New York, that's wrong. We shouldn't allow that. And that's, we, we all agree with that. Unfortunately, it's a lie. I mean, they don't subsidize us. We are the biggest subsidizer of the federal system. Even with this deduction? In with place. the deduction, New York every year sends $48 billion, with a B, $48 billion to the federal government and the other states. So there are only 13 states that have a negative balance of payments with Washington. So we and another 12 subsidize the entire federal government and all these other states. So it, it is a canard to say that we're being subsidized. What it really is, they don't like the fact that we have high taxes. They don't like the fact that we have high services. Uh, and so they're, they're going after us. So, so um, there, there are a number of things that are different about it, we, but we did get them. We had people who understood that. Pre- President... Reagan went to Oklahoma, very similar to this, and gave his kickoff speech on the tax bill in Oklahoma and said, you shouldn't be subsidizing New York. So, well, it's kind of absurd, except that we then quickly got a congressman, Democrat, Democratic congressman, big difference, from Oklahoma named Jim Jones to write an op-ed piece in the New York Times saying, we don't subsidize New York. We're very grateful for New York's money. We ain't getting a lot of Republicans to be willing to say that. And so part of what you've already discussed here is that the SALT issue is part of a larger reform. Yeah. It's not just changing this ability to take these deductions. There is a much bigger 
bill here. Um, and they've got to finance the bill. So we are what is called a pay-for. Pay-for means how are they going to pay to lower corporate rates, which is primary. How are they going to pay to eliminate the estate tax for rich people? How are they going to pay to eliminate the AMT tax for rich people? Well, we're the pig in, 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 in the boat. We're the, the thing they've pointed out because it doesn't affect their guys, they don't think. Now, the other... But the point that Bill Clinton made is true in two ways. Number one, the, the, the big political issue right now, particularly after the Virginia governorship, is there are about 40 so-called vulnerable Republican members of the House. Now, the Republican majority right now is 23 members. So there are 40 members of the Republican House who are vulnerable either because Hillary won their district or they're very close. So you take Barbara Comstock from Northern Virginia, a district that, that in the governorship race went heavily Democratic. Her district also has the highest level of itemizers in the country. Her, she would be hurt more than any other district in New York by this, by this bill. She's going to get killed on this. So she hasn't come out yet. She's worried because she's torn between the leadership and this. But so we're, we're, when you go around to metropolitan areas around the country, you're gonna, there, are, there are suburban congressmen outside Chicago, outside Detroit, outside Minnesota. They tend not to be in the urban areas, but in the suburbs where they're independent voters and more Republicans who are going to get killed by this. And part of our campaign outside Philly, outside Atlanta, is go. But unfortunately, they're one by one by one or twos. And those are decisive because they will be affected. It isn't just New York and California. And, and you know, there's a Utah district that is terrible outside Salt Lake City. The second thing is it's going to affect. We have a lot of Republican county executives from around the country in so-called low-tax states because they realize they live off the property tax primarily. It's going to be hard for them to finance their budget. Rob Astorino just, just came out against uh, this from yeah. Westchester. Well, but I'm yeah. even saying right get, before he lost get out, his... of, get out of New York. No, I know, but you we're go very to, you, go, you go to Kansas now. <laughs> well, that's if why we they... had time, if we had three, four months, five months, I think what you would see wouldn't be quite the same as health care, which is deeply... Those were deeply personal with people who have, have health problems in their family. We shouldn't kid ourselves. But I think when people realize what it was going to do to them, and their schools in particular, we would, we would see a big outbreak. That's what the, why the Republicans are racing. They want to avoid that. As you say, I think we should point out that there are a number of other provisions in this bill that also would hurt New York. There are other deductions being taken away, which may actually, if you have time, induce more personal understanding right away. You know, they're going to take away the deduction for student loan debt. Student loan debt is a huge problem, and we want students to go to college. And that's not going to be deductible by families anymore in the House bill. Um, the interest on your mortgage above $500,000. Um, you know, there's a legitimate argument about the mortgage interest deduction. But if the goal is to incentivize middle-class home ownership, $500,000 is not as much for owning a home in a place like New York as it is in other places. The other thing that will really... Well, let's, add, let's add to that in some ways the most poignant one. Oh, take the away the deduction for personal medical expenses. Yes. So for older people, uh, people with illnesses in their family, I mean, this is really cruel, and it's hard to understand how they can do this. I think this is going to have to get stripped out of the bill. It's too cruel. Uh, they Basically, you've got your life savings being spent on a nursing home 
or, or on uh, late life care or some really serious illness, they're taking away your tax deduction. People can't afford this. That's right. It's going to drive people to poverty. Oh, go ahead, Carol. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that in terms of New York in particular, another thing in a completely different area of the bill from deductions is the elimination of private activity bonds, which is a way to invest in government infrastructure but not owned by government, by nonprofits like hospitals or schools. And those things can be funded through private activity bonds, and the interest on the bonds is tax-free, which incentivizes people to invest in those things. Now, that's being eliminated. That's going to affect the, the construction of affordable housing, not just in New York, but all across the country, which is very <clears throat> dependent on those bonds. Um, but and that's also the kind of provision that the, the mayors and the county executives are just waking up to. And that's after this bill passes, if it does in this form, they're going to suddenly tell their taxpayers and their constituents, I can't, sorry, we can't afford any more of this hospital. We can't afford, there's no way we can finance uh, this housing. People are going to be shocked. They're not going to understand that. They I never knew that there was being done through right. bonds. That I, was had tax a, I was at a briefing yesterday at City Hall that the de Blasio administration got together very quickly. They had the budget director, the first deputy mayor, and the deputy mayor for housing and economic development. But I think it's very important this isn't about New York. We know New York's going to get killed. They want that. It's, it's about Wichita, Kansas. What they've got to understand is exactly what you heard at City Hall is what's going to affect Wichita, Kansas. Right. But, but in time, New York, yes. you're looking for those members of the House to well, yeah, get yes. on board. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know Please. that they care about the yeah, mayor's affordable housing plan. No, no but I'm, I'm giving it as an example when we talk about bonding out some of these projects that it's raising concern Absolutely. here in New York City. Absolutely. But the strongest yeah. argument for members is that it's going to affect their district. That's the argument we can, we're making to these people, that they think they're safe, but they're not. So one of the arguments... Now, we're also making the argument, it should be clear, that this is a matter of principle, that I started with the federal principle of double taxation. Once you compromise a principle, you know, these guys are going to come back in, whether it's two years or five years, and take away something. Whatever they end up compromised, they'll take something else away. Now what's your argument? Once you've given, you don't have the principle anymore. Now it's all just a negotiation over dollars. Well, as you That's indicated, the tw- 2018 elections are going to have mm-hmm. a lot to say here in, in whatever's coming down the road or whatever reaction there is to anything that passes uh, this year or into next year. Um, part of the point in connecting this to the larger bill, connecting the SALT deductions to the larger bill, as you indicated, to create some corporate tax cuts and other changes to the overall tax code and other things is the philosophy that if they do that, wages will rise and, you know, it's it's some of this, you know, that is um, derisively called trickle-down economics, right, where they're also looking to cut these corporate tax rates and they're arguing that wages will then rise if if corporations have uh, more money. And, and so that the, the net down the road is that it works out for working families. Down the road, very far down the road, and well, very I don't, theoretical. I don't even think we shouldn't even spend any time on that. I mean, that's absurd. So we we should we shouldn't. And people get you know let's let's focus on on the real impacts on people and, and governments. Okay, so. so we're we're in our last few minutes here with Jay Kriegel, uh, senior advisor at Related Realty, and uh, a leader of Americans Against Double Taxation, working against uh, a lot of what is either out or brewing in D.C. around uh, the issue of elimination or partial elimination of the SALT 
deductions. Um, so how much does it matter what comes through the House versus, um, you know, we saw this. Well, it matters enormously because contrary to what normally happens in Washington, in this particular case, the House is likely to be more responsive to what we're talking about because of the distribution of members than the Senate. The Senate is so locked up right now with Republican members from conservative states. After all, there were no Republicans from New York, from Massachusetts, from New Jersey, from California, from Illinois, down that list. So, so no senators. No yeah, senators, yeah. and those are not seats they hope to get. So they're locked in with Wyoming and Kansas and Alabama and, and et cetera. So, so um, we don't have a, a, a lot of a good case to make in the Senate. We have enough House members that I, I'm no question that if we had five months, we could do this. The real only question for us, because we'd be in their districts letting people know what the impact on them is going to be. You know, I, I had lunch with a friend of mine last week whose <clears throat> parents bought their house in New Jersey. Um, school teachers bought their house in New Jersey 40 years ago for $50,000. And his father's deceased, his mother's now now 80, and uh, retire, retired. Her property tax each year now is $20,000. And if loses the property tax deduction, she's going to have to sell the house. I mean, there's a limit to what he can even subsidize. So that's not that's that's going to be everywhere in the country. And that's where people's life savings are in the middle class. And there is a cruelty to that as well, just this notion that, oh, you know, this is just about governments, uh, high-tax states imposing taxes on people. Eh, it's much more complicated than that. And if people heard those stories, you're a little shocked that these guys are just saying, I'm immune to that. My members are protected. Their members aren't protected. Their, their, their constituents aren't protected. A lot of people are going to be badly hurt. That's going to be very sad. Well, I think that's a good closing uh, statement there from Jay Kriegel. Jay, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Everyone listening should obviously follow as uh, this story develops because it's nowhere near over, although, as you indicated, the pace here is uh, very quick, and we have to see what happens in the coming days and weeks. And thanks, CBC, for the good work it does for all of us in New York, Carol. Thank you, and thanks for coming, Jay. My joy. Bye.